Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. So this explains this idea of learned helplessness, that when we are overwhelmed, when we are told no, when through cultural norms, as in the education system, you're almost ostracized momentarily for not knowing the answer or being wrong, you are trained to be afraid of the unknown to say, well, it has to be this way, not that way. Or I can't say to the world, I'm not sure, and go investigate. I have to have the answer. We train ourselves into these certain behaviors. We learn to be helpless. What could I possibly do? Jay Akunzo is a man of many talents, a former marketing and creative leader at companies like HubSpot, Google, and ESPN. He's also a six-time podcast host, the author of a fascinating book titled Break the Wheel, and the creator of an incredible new docuseries called Against the Grain. But most importantly, he is a man on a mission to cut through conventional thinking, challenge best practices, and create things that truly make an impact. I'm proud to welcome Jay Akunzo. Jay, thank you for being here today. Thanks, Max. In last week's episode of Motivational Mondays, I interviewed the CEO of Headspace, Cece Morgan. And she shared a really interesting approach to how she hires people. She said, 10 out of 10 times, I would hire a learn-it-all versus a know-it-all. Because if you're a know-it-all, then you're completely closed off to learning anything new. And I've heard you share a similar philosophy where you urge people to act like explorers instead of experts. Can you elaborate on why this is such a simple concept, yet so many people struggle at being vulnerable and publicly saying what they don't know? Yes, there's two reasons people struggle. Uh, one, I think, tends to happen later in life, potentially, if you've been doing something for a while. That's known as cognitive entrenchment. You're literally getting entrenched in whatever, doing it that one way. Can't teach an old dog new tricks kind of territory. The other is an idea called Pike Syndrome, which I found uh, while researching for my book, Break the Wheel. Pike Syndrome, the, the other less exciting phrase is learned helplessness. There's an old science experiment where a bunch of scientists would drop some minnows into a tank containing a pike, which is a predatory fish. Right away, the pike would eat the minnows, obviously. So then they would lower in the minnows surrounded by some glass. And at that point, the pike could not really sense the glass, and it would smash up against it over and over again in just fruitless pursuit of its prey. And eventually, it would give up. And then the the real insane thing that happens is you removed the glass, or these scientists did, and the minnows were free to swim all around the tank, and the pike would not chase them. So this explains this idea of learned helplessness, that when we are overwhelmed, when we are told no, when through cultural norms, as in the education system, you're almost ostracized momentarily for not knowing the answer or being wrong, you are trained to be afraid of the unknown, to say, well, it has to be this way, not that way. Or I can't say to the world, I'm not sure, and go investigate. I have to have the answer. We train ourselves into these certain behaviors. We learn to be helpless. What could I possibly do? Well, there's a, there's a minnow swimming right in front of your face, Pike. Why aren't you doing that? Oh, because you've been trained out of that. Well, there, there's this thing, this variable right in front of your face, the stuff you know to be true about yourself, about your aspirations. If you work for a business, about the company, 
whatever right in front of your face. But we ignore that and we go looking for our answers in this vague sense of out there, some expert, some Google search results, some guru on some social network. And it's because we have this learned helplessness and we can unlearn the learned helplessness by developing a very specific and simple skill, which is just to get better at asking open-ended questions that we can't simply Google, that require us to investigate for a time. So I love that idea from the CEO of Headspace. It's much more about raising your hand and saying, I don't have the answers, but I'm going to go find them. That makes you a better job candidate. That makes you a better leader. That makes you just a, I think, a more well-rounded human being than having that either cognitive entrenchment or learned helplessness, aka Pike syndrome, plague every decision you make. And does it come down to asking questions? Does it come down to honing your intuition? Is it a mix of both? The question thing is directly related to intuition. So you can't have one without the other. Um, intuition is very, it's rooted in this idea of uh, considering the world around you. It's not like this gift or muse. It's inputs and outputs, right? So uh, when you ask questions that Google can't just simply answer and you go on a little bit of a personal journey to investigate, that's really the skill set, Max, is to become an investigator instead of an expert. That is where you hone your intuition. Because you're starting with, I don't have the answers, but I'd like to figure them out. And to figure them out, it's not just as simple as asking somebody else who had a similar situation to you. I'm sure there's some interestingness, some good ideas, something there for you, but they are not you. If you go to work for a company, the competitor's customers are slightly different in some ways than your customers, even though you compete for the same market. The resources you have are different than the resources they have. There's not an exactly identical replicable approach, especially when we're not talking about, you know, building a nuclear power plant here. We're talking, or I speak to people in knowledge work, people in jobs that creativity is a skill, decision-making, innovation. These things are really important. They must be contextual, but we're making a lot of these decisions based on the generality. And that, that leads to a lot of average or commodity work. One of my favorite times of any job has always been the first 100 days. That's when people come in wide-eyed and they see things from a fresh new perspective. But even though they're hungry and motivated to try new things, many times they're immediately faced with resistance because change is so tough to handle. How can these people win over the naysayers and drive change in the face of pushback? I, I'm not someone who has met, spent much time investigating ideas like how to convince, how to influence how to, how to coerce, certainly. I don't believe in doing things like that. But I am someone who's been beaten up a lot by bosses or clients or peers who just quote unquote don't get it. Where I, I had an idea and I felt like it was the right idea and I would get shot down. And what I've come to realize is when that happens to you, usually it's your own fault and the way you're packaging the information because either one of two things is happening. One, it's actually not how you're delivering the information or communicating it. You're just in the wrong place. You're working for the wrong person or with the wrong people. You have fundamentally different beliefs and that's okay. Life is short. Go find a better boss, a different client, a new role, a new challenge, a new project. But if, if you are aligned in certain ways and you're trying to help them see what you see, you have to realize there's an information divide. You're putting the other person at an information disadvantage where you have gone through the cognitive process, to arrive at whatever idea you have, even if it felt instant to you. It was from all the inputs in your life that arrived at that moment. Oh, here's the idea. They have not done that. 
And so they're trying to piece it together on the fly as soon as they hear your idea. So they're back on their heels and they're like, well, I'm going to need some social proof, right? I, I, are a lot of people lining up to do this thing? So if so, they're, we'll do it. But now you're doing the conventional thing, right? Now you're blending in. Now you're following instead of leading. Or um, I don't know, like, is there like a shortcut for this instead of going through the hard work or, you know, or, oh, I have an experience in my life where this is similar. And so they anchor to certain biases or things they've experienced that don't really encapsulate your idea. And I call this the green smoothie problem. The green smoothie problem is I'm handing you my smoothie and I'm just saying, it's a green smoothie. You want to drink it? And if you've never seen a green smoothie before, that's what you do. Do a lot of people drink this? Is there a Kardashian sponsoring this drink? Uh, you know, or ooh, I go to this gym and it looks like this like grass shot, this blended, ew, it looks gross. No, it's far better, however, to make that idea come last when you convince or hope to align with people. The first thing you say is, I know where we're trying to get to boss, client, teammate, friend. Here's your goal. We want to go there. Cause if you're not aligned on that, no, no idea matters. So start there. And then acknowledge their belief about what it takes to get there. Hey, Max, last week you told me uh, you want to be healthy. That's our goal, right? Yep. Okay, cool. I'll keep talking. Now you said you don't like any of those health drinks because they really kind of taste gross, right? Yep. Okay, cool. I've acknowledged we're aligned in where we're trying to get. Right away, we're on the same team. And secondly, I'm also acknowledging you're trying to get there already or have beliefs about how to do so. Those drinks are gross. So here's what I'm thinking, Max. I took some kale and some uh, spinach and some mango and some banana and some coconut oil, and I blended it together. So if you want to be healthier and you think all the other health drinks out there are gross, well, here's a green smoothie. Want to drink it? And now either they'll say yes, because you've taken them on that intellectual journey and closed the divide, or they'll say no, but at least when they say no, it doesn't feel personal. It's not me versus you my ideas versus your ideas. It's, oh, thank you for laying that out for me. This is a problem up on the board or laid out on the table. And I can say, you know, if we just added this new, if we added some pineapple, I think that'd be even better. I'm going to build on your ideas. Or, you know, I don't like kale. Can you take that out? And you say, sure, no problem. And you work with them towards the idea. So that's a far better way to communicate, but we get way too excited, way too opinionated, and way too prescriptive way too soon. There's a popular phrase that we hear all the time, let's just follow best practices. But there's an obvious problem with that approach, right? If you're following the herd, then you're not actually evolving and you're not producing new ways of thinking. Can you share why best practices don't always work and why you're on a mission to get people to instead focus on sharpening their intuition? I think it's, it's even more insidious than the fact that you follow others because there are certain things you're doing that are not, not necessarily public or affecting public perception or attention. So... It's not that you should reject all best practices or never follow a trend. It's not that all conventional thinking is necessarily wrong. It's that all of these things profess to be the best, but they're professing to be the best in general, not necessarily the best for you. And shouldn't it be the goal to find the best approach for you? So I think that's actually the issue. Um, I, I, I want to I be clear. It's important to question best practices, not wholesale reject them for a very specific reason. They omit crucial variables that are only present in your situation and not some expert, some guru, the past of your own business or profession or school. There's something missing about your unique situation that needs to be considered to make the best decisions for you. Many of our listeners are college students. 
Considering your focus on challenging convention and breaking things, do you still recommend this approach for those who are just starting off their careers? Or is it better to lay low until you get to a certain point? It's definitely not better to lay low uh, until you get to a certain point. But I would say it's important to ask well-meaning questions. And (laughs) this is going to sound terrible. I was a petulant child in my early jobs. I can't speak for everyone else, but I thought I knew everything and knew better. And now that I've run businesses, I understand why, at least why people were doing things a certain way. And actually, if, if back then I had asked, say, a manager or an executive, hey, why are we doing this way, doing something a certain way, instead of you know, harboring resentment that we were, at least I would have understood their rationale and could, again, have closed the information divide and shown them maybe some better idea that I believed. Or I would have said, oh, wow, my assumptions were actually wrong because now thank you for that new information. Thank you for those new variables. I'm making an assumption and I need to check that assumption. So no, I don't think, I don't love this idea of like, you gotta, you gotta carry the water. You gotta pay your dues. No, you just, you gotta make sure you're not a douchebag about stuff. You gotta make sure you're doing things for the right reasons. Be curious, not a jerk. Many of us are taught technical skills that make us good at our jobs, but a lot of people still don't know how to effectively tell their own story when they're being interviewed for those jobs. Do you have advice for how people can get better at telling their own story? I think we need to start with what a story is and use that to our advantage. The carbon element in a story is tension. If you don't have tension, you don't have a story. Just like you don't have any life without carbon, you don't have a story without any tension. Um, if I said to you, the itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout, that is not a story. It's a description of something, a statement of fact, the status quo. But if I introduce some tension, now you're intrigued. Now it's memorable. Now you want me to continue. Down came the rain and washed the spider out. Again, it's not rocket science, right? Like we've been learning this since we were literally kids. That's not a finished story, but it's starting to look like one. There's a narrative arc to it because the tension causes your intrigue to rise, literally arc, that previously flat description. And then what happened after the rain? Well, the sun came out and the water dried up and then, you know, the spider did the damn thing. So that's a story. It doesn't have to be Shakespeare. It doesn't have to be Adam Grant's book. Um, And we're really bad at using tension in our stories. So when you tell your personal story, I think we're all looking for some kind of grander mission, but really, you know, at the end of the day, it can be using things that bug you about insert idea here. Uh, I'll use an example from my career. I, when I worked at Google, I remember I was unhappy doing sales, ad sales, and I was trying to leave, but I, my brain wouldn't let me, the story wouldn't let me like the, and i sorry, I shouldn't have used story, but the perception of what was going on in my world wouldn't let me um, because it was Google. I thought I was supposed to be there. That's success. That's the best practice, right? Why was I miserable? Must be something wrong with me. Well, one day I went home and I was about to show my friends like my favorite YouTube video at the time. And as they were really excited, I was like hyping it to them. I hit play and a pre-roll ad for like a car company started to play. And it was before Google had the skip button on YouTube. And I felt like a fool because my friends were like, oh, so frustrated. But worse, I had a thought in my head that probably only I could have had at the time, which was, damn it, Eric. I saw the ad. I thought, damn it, Eric. Because Eric was my colleague at Google, also in ad sales, who sold this advertiser on the idea of using YouTube ads. Damn it, Eric. 
And then I realized, oh my gosh, I have the same job at Google that Eric has, which means somebody else somewhere was cursing the name of the person responsible for a frustrating moment in their day. And they didn't know it, but that person responsible was me. And with Google and YouTube scale, that was not one person. Thousands, if not millions of people were having slightly worse moments in their day, receiving experiences they did not ask for that they couldn't wait to skip because of my job. And so I quit. Now, if I tell that story, it's very heavy on the tension. But now you know what I'm all about. I want to make stuff that people like, not try to make people like stuff which is the misunderstanding of marketing to make people like stuff, misunderstanding of marketing or sales. So you know what I'm all about now. So I don't have to tell like the arc of my story. Here's my jobs. Here's all these things that I've done. I think that's what we mostly think of when we think of telling our story. I think what we need to do is find moments in our lives and in our work, and it could be your academic work before that, where you felt that tension and you overcame it. And it helped you realize something about yourself and where you'd like to go. That's how you tell your story. And it does not exist without looking first at that carbon atom, which is, which is tension. So if you find the pain, find your own frustration, find that tension, and package it into a moment or two or three that you have at the ready when you communicate with somebody entering that job interview process, for example, I think you'll be a lot more memorable and people will definitely understand what you're all about. And if they don't get on board with that story, by the way, that's okay. You save yourself a lot of future pain because you probably would have been miserable there anyway. Can you tell us about your new book titled Break the Wheel? What's the number one lesson you want people to walk away with after reading it? I want more people to trust their intuition. I want more people to think for themselves in the face of endless conventional thinking. So the number one skill we all possess is the ability to put a critical lens over what someone else packages as the answer. And I mentioned it before, and and I'm not sure if it's making the final cut here, so I'll say it again. I want everyone to make this switch from wanting to be an expert and the pride that comes with having the answers to wanting to be an investigator and the success that comes with asking the right questions. Jay, a huge thank you for sharing these nuggets of wisdom with us today and for showing that best practices are rarely the best choice. It has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. Thank you so much. And to those listening, please go out and do the best work that you can do. Don't trust anyone else's best practice. Ask questions about them and find the best approach for you. And how can people learn more about you? Is it the docu-series? Is it the book? Is it all on your website? I can't stop making stuff and that causes problems when you're like, what's the one thing? Um, Yes, I think my website's probably easier, jayaconzo.com. If you're listening to this on a podcast feed, you might also be interested in podcasts. My show is called Unthinkable, the story style show about questioning best practices and thinking for yourself. That's awesome. I highly recommend everyone get out there and buy Jay's new book titled Break the Wheel and learn more about his story at jayakunzo.com. Just follow the links in the description below. And a special thank you to all of our loyal listeners. We'll see you back here again next week on Motivational Mondays. Sweet. That's it. So fun. <laughs>